order to start things out, I've got a, got a few, um, well, I guess the, for lack of a better term, they're, uh, they're riddles from the Bible. Uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, you might know some of these answers. Maybe not. Um, and and uh, if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, hang tight. It's okay. Uh, they're not that funny anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, who were the greatest male and female financial minds in the Bible? The male is Noah. He was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. Yeah, that's where we're going with this. This is uh, that's just this kind of paints the okay. And the female uh, financial mind is Pharaoh's daughter because she went down to the bank of, a, of the Nile and drew out a little profit. So. There we go. Uh, what kind of man was Boaz? Maybe you remember Boaz from the Old Testament. What kind of man was Boaz before he got married? Ruthless. Ruthless. He married Ruth. Uh, present company. Sorry, Ruth. But anyway, um, this one might be a little on the edge. Who was the first drug addict in the Bible? Nebuchadnezzar. He was on grass for seven years. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Motor vehicles mentioned in the Bible. Jehovah drove Adam and Eve out of the garden in a fury, it says. David's triumph was heard throughout the land. And there is a, uh, a Honda mentioned in the New Testament because the apostles were all in one accord. Oh, groaning. Okay, yes. And, um, and, and in 2 Corinthians 4.8, I believe it's describing um, a, a smart car. It says, we are pressed in every way, but not crushed. And so I think when you're, anyway, all right. The greatest comedian in the Bible was Samson because he brought the house down, okay? And just one more. What excuse did Adam give his children as to why he no longer, they no longer lived in Eden? Your mother ate us out of house and home is what Adam told him. So again, you might know those stories and be able to relate to that a little bit. Maybe, uh, I mean, if you didn't or you don't know those stories, again, they, I think you agree they weren't, weren't all that funny anyway. But uh, there's, there's a lot in the Bible uh, uh, throughout the pages covered. Actually, what we know of as the Bible today is a library of books, right? 66 different books. And those books were written over 40, uh, by over 40 different authors spanning a period of over 1,500 years. Some of them are historical documents, some are poetry and songs, some are letters written to individuals or churches, uh, many different genres, and yet all of those writings were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul describes that process of inspiration. He uses this term in, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, he says that scripture was God-breathed. So inspired, not, not dictated, but inspired, breathed by God. It's, it's interesting, the Holy Spirit is, uh, as, as I mentioned last week, one of the metaphors of the Spirit in Scripture is air or wind. And so if the, the, the Scripture was God-breathed, there's an insinuation there of the, of the Spirit's uh, uh, involvement, even in that little phrase. Each part of the Bible rose out of culture at, at various times throughout ancient history as people struggled to, uh, to understand their relationship with God. He, he inspired people to write his message of love to them in their time, in their place. Uh, the, the Bible was written primarily in Hebrew and Greek. Uh, those were the languages of the time when they were written, and, and then over the years it's been translated into uh, not, not quite every language in the world, but uh, almost all languages throughout the world uh, even these days. 
In, in English, there are many different translations, right? Uh, different versions, we call them. Uh, uh, most of them uh, are put together by uh, group, groups of scholars who have gone back to those original languages, the Hebrew and the Greek, and they have translated them into our modern vernacular. Some of those translations are virtually word for word, and they go back and they, they get the original language. And, they, and, and then when we read them now, they're maybe not, they don't flow quite as, as easily because it's, it's word for word, but it's... it's uh, it's uh, um, faithful to the original text like that. Uh, other translations are uh, more of a, take a, a wider view of getting the, the idea, the general idea of what was being conveyed and bringing that into our, our uh, more modern vernacular so that it flows a little bit more and, and makes, it, uh, makes it applicable. Uh, either way, uh, the translations that we have give us the truth of God in our own language. And despite the, the time span and the various authors and the genres and the languages uh, uh, put together, the Bible has a unified message telling us, as Peter tells us in Second Peter 1.3, uh, the, the Bible gives us everything we need for life and godliness. It tells of God and his love and it tells how we can live in relationship with him. Statistics show uh, that about 92% of Americans own at least one Bible, and the average household has three. Now, in, in these days, I think those stats were taken probably before the, uh, the onset of uh, smartphones and other devices where we have the app. I don't think we're counting uh, all of those millions of downloads of the, uh, the Bible apps as well. Uh, two-thirds of Americans say that they believe that the Bible holds the answers to basic questions of life. It's basic, it's fundamental, it's foundational, and yet statistics also tell us that people aren't really reading it very much. One Gallup survey, for example, shows that fewer than half of Americans can name the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Only one-third know who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Many folks answered Billy Graham, not Jesus in that. Uh, And one quarter uh, of Americans uh, did not know what is celebrated on Easter. As one writer put it this way, the Bible, it seems, is the book that everyone wants to read, but few do. I love this quote from John Ortberg. I've probably shared it with you before. What distinguished Israel from everyone else? It wasn't power. It wasn't wealth. It wasn't size. What did Israel have? A book. This book so defined them, they were called people of the book. They had the book, and now this book, with some significant additions, has become our book. Now we are its stewards, but we have cable. Today, as we continue our study on the, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, what he does and, and how he works, I want to spend some time on the fact that when the Holy Spirit uh, has penetrated our lives, Scripture comes alive. The Bible is the Holy Spirit's book. Uh, He inspired it. Scripture is the primary way that God speaks to us. And so it is one of the Spirit's main functions to communicate God's word to our hearts and to make it come alive in our lives. I think many people have the notion that, uh, that if the spirit is working, it has to be this spontaneous thing, this, this mystical force that they don't quite understand, uh, this, this thought or dream. And the Holy Spirit does move in those ways. Uh, but uh, the majority of, time, uh, of the time, what the spirit is trying to communicate with us has already been said or, or written right in the pages of scripture. So, so just as he inspired the writing 
he wants to inspire the reading. And so in doing that, he, uh, he creates, uh, he, he, he gives us, as he penetrates our lives, he gives us a holy appetite, a holy appetite. When, when we allow the Holy Spirit to, to fill us and control us, he creates that holy appetite inside of us. Have you ever had a craving? Maybe you have one right now because it's getting a little toward lunchtime and you're craving whatever you, I don't know. I've told you about popcorn on Sunday nights at my house. Around 4.30, it starts in the you know saliva glands. I'm just ready, right? Um, I, I've never been pregnant don't plan to ever get there, but, um, but they say that there are a lot of cravings involved with all of that. I, at certain times of the day, uh, we might crave certain things, the afternoon snack or the, the bowl of ice cream, and we're just not happy until we satisfy the craving, right? Most people uh, know what it means to crave food. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that a lot of people know what it means to crave the word of God. In Acts chapter 2, uh, right after the Spirit was, uh, was given to the disciples, uh, thousands came to follow Jesus, and, and the church was born. And, and it says at the end of Acts chapter 2 that, uh, that there were four things that these new Jesus followers were, were dedicated to. It says they dedicated themselves to, and it gives four things. They, they were dedicated to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things uh, that, that the church was dedicated to. Uh, if we look at that first one, uh, just, just want to zero in on that one uh, right now. They, they were dedicated to the apostles' teaching. That would equate with the word of God today, right? Because they didn't have the New Testament. They were living the New Testament. They were the New Testament right then. Uh, we read about them now in the New Testament. So they didn't have that book. They had the apostles' teaching. They, and so, so uh, the apostles were teaching them everything they had learned from Jesus uh, as the Spirit enabled them to do that. The Spirit that had just been poured out on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and that was the word of God for these believers. And it says they were devoted to it. The, the, the term there, uh, devoted to, has also been translated, they went on to give constant attention to. Or they occupied themselves continually it's not they picked it up every once in a while and blew the dust off. Or they pulled it out when the preacher said, let's turn to. It says they occupied themselves with the apostles' teaching continually. It was a craving uh, to, to know more, a holy appetite. That kind of pull toward God's word, that kind of dedication to know scriptural truth is a key indicator that the Holy Spirit is moving and working in the life of a person or a church. It creates that holy appetite in us and we crave to know more because when we know more, we know him more. Jim Cimbala, again in his, uh, his, his book, um, Spirit Rising, puts it this way. He says, the word of God contains the vital spiritual nutrients we need every day to grow in Christ. Our cravings for more of God's word aren't hunger pangs that we work up. A holy appetite grows inside of us through the work of the Holy Spirit that causes us to crave truth. When the spirit is moving, he develops a holy appetite for God's word in you. He also uh, becomes a holy teacher for us. Um, did, did you, 
I'm guessing if I asked you, uh, if we had the time to, to have some conversation today, uh, and I asked you if you had a favorite teacher from your school years, I'm, I'm guessing that, that one or more would, uh, would come to mind. Uh, if, as soon as I mentioned that, probably a face or a name or both uh, came to your mind. I still have fond memories of, of several teachers over the years who, who impacted my education and my maturity, believe it or not. And, uh, and in, in my experience, uh, your favorite teacher isn't usually just the one that lets you get away with things, right? Or, or was real uh, laid back and, and just kind of let you do whatever. It seems like usually the best teachers are the ones who require a lot and yet they still are able to relate to their students. They, they really care about not only what they're teaching, but also who they're teaching. And they keep the students accountable to, uh, to the relationship and to the, the, the content. Some of my favorite teachers are the ones that demanded the most of me. The disciples got to learn from Jesus, the master teacher, right? I mean, how amazing would that have been? They're walking around with Jesus. They're, they're hanging out with him. Uh, as, as they're in the crowd right on the front row while he's teaching the multitudes. And then they go back, uh, they go backstage, right? And they have the whole conversation. Well, what did you mean by this? And how does that? And, and, or they're just walking along the road. And he says, hey, see that? Let's, uh, and and it's just amazing. Uh, minute after minute, day by day, uh, year by year, they had the master teacher right there. However, we see over and over again that they also kind of didn't get it a lot of the time. They, 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 they'd miss it, or they'd misapply it, or they'd, uh, I mean, they, they would say, no, that can't be true. What do you, you know, don't, that, that, that's not it. And a lot of times we see several different places in, in the Gospels that they didn't understand until much later, even after Jesus had died and, and, and risen again, uh, did they start to understand some of what. So despite the fact that Jesus was the master teacher, he told the disciples that another teacher, the Spirit, uh, was coming to teach them, and it would be even better than learning directly from him as they'd been doing for the last three plus years. John 16, 12 to 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room and he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear, now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus knew that the Spirit would be able to teach these disciples things that he couldn't teach them right then. It wasn't time. They, they couldn't bear it. They weren't ready to, to hear those things. And, and that same Spirit that he sent to teach them uh, moves and lives in us as Jesus followers today. It's even better than walking with Jesus side by side because the Spirit teaches from the inside out. We have, we have two things that the disciples did. A lot of times we go, oh, I wish, wish I would have lived back then, right there. But this act, scripture actually says that, that we have two things the disciples never had. We have the, the Holy Spirit and we have the New Testament. Both are vital in our relationship with God. The Holy Spirit teaches us at the soul level from the book that he inspired. Uh, it's the Bible. It's a, it, he is a holy teacher. Uh, he's helping us understand and apply spiritual truths to our lives. And there are many who read the Bible simply to learn the facts. But that only gets scriptural truth into our heads, not into our hearts. There's the old story about... Um, Years ago, a, a drawing room function in, in, uh, in London. 
And uh, one of England's leading actors was there and the people in that drawing room that night invited him to present something to the crowd for entertainment. And, and uh, uh, they, so he, he uh, agreed to do it and then he said, well, what do you want me to do? And there was a, a clergyman present uh, and, uh, and he said, well, why don't you recite the 23rd Psalm? And that actor thought for a moment and said, I'll, I'll do it, but only on, on one condition. I'll recite the 23rd Psalm uh, if you, pastor, will recite it after me. And, uh, and the clergyman agreed to do it. And so the actor kicked in, got his actor voice on and, and uh, had all the right uh, intonation and all the right uh, inflection and, and the right uh, pauses at the right times for dramatic, just everyone spellbound and at the end, uh, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and everyone spontaneously applauded and it was this amazing presentation. And then as the applause died away, the actor called the clergyman up who started to recite the same psalm. And his voice was, was not all that remarkable, and his intonation was certainly not faultless. And uh, when he had finished, there was no sound of applause that broke the silence, but simply tears. It seemed as though there was not a dry eye in the room. Many heads were bowed, and then the actor came up again and put his arm around the pastor, and, and, and he said, I reached your eyes and ears. He reached your hearts. The difference is this. I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. The Holy Spirit is that shepherd for us, walking us through the truths of Scripture, helping us not just to hear things in our heads, but to help them transform deep in our souls. When we know him, when we ask for his guidance, he leads us into spiritual truth for our lives. And, and that's called, uh, probably the next blank you need to fill in, holy revelation. Batman, do, do we need to say, no, that's not, that's not what we do. Holy, whatever, anyway, that's a bad habit, sorry. Um, holy revelation, that's this, this truth that, that the Holy Spirit reveals to us in Scripture. He gives us that appetite to, to draw in. He, he's the one that's going to bring truth, and when he does, it's a revelation from God for our lives. Hebrews 4.12 puts it this way. It says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Spirit works with the Word of God to penetrate into our souls and reveal truth. He is, the Holy Spirit is what gives life and action to the Word. Now, let me just say that, that, that it's not always rainbows and unicorns when re, you receive revelation from God. Um, I've told you in this, in this series already that one thing the Spirit does is convict us of sin. <laughs> he wants to purify us. He wants to make us holy. He wants to make us more like Jesus. But in order to do that, uh, he has to be honest with us and reveal some hard truths and some things that we might not want to deal with. Uh, it says that the, the, the word of God is like a sword, a double-edged sword that penetrates. That sounds kind of painful. I mean, and it gets kind of painful sometimes when the sword points out something in your life that needs to change. But that revelation that the Spirit brings through the Word of God is what we need most as we grow up in our relationship with Him. 
It could be that you've read a passage multiple times in the Bible, uh, uh, but then one time something just jumps right out at you and just hits you between the eyes. That's the Holy Spirit moving and working, revealing his truth to us at just the right time, right when we need it, uh, and, and uh, bringing that revelation to us. It's truth. I need to differentiate here. It's, it's not just uh, uh, God's truth or your truth. Or, uh, it, it's about God's truth, not just your truth or my truth. It's his truth. This past winter, someone uh, showed me a valentine that their son had, had received in his valentine box at school. Uh, it had Elsa on it from Frozen. Don't start singing. Uh, and and it, it said in bold letters, Elsa's there, you know, and she's just, you know, queen of the world, right? Or at least queen of the snow or something. Anyway, and it says on there, it says, live your truth. First of all, I don't quite know what that means, so I just, we'll just put that there. But secondly, can it really be truth if it's mine and not yours? Because if it's just my truth, then that shifts it from truth to opinion. That's just, that's just for me. It's not truth that's out there for everyone. So I, I, I get frustrated when I see things like that or when I hear people talking about, well, I'm just going to look inside myself in order to find answers and direction. When, when I look inside myself... I'm going to find what's inside myself. Selfishness and a sinful nature, right? And if I'm going to let those things guide me, then I'm not going to be on the path of God's truth. If I'm I'm looking, however, to the Spirit and His direction, then I'm going to discover what is really true, capital T, for life. And that truth is found on the pages of Scripture as the Spirit inspires it. We've got to quit living our truth and start living God's truth truth. And that's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us as we dive into scripture. He is the spirit of truth and he will always direct us toward God's truth. When we are relying on the spirit's inspiration to reveal his truth, I think we, uh, we guard against reading into scripture our own biases and our own perception. We all have a certain perspective that, we're, we're, we, that is, is ours when we come to scripture, but we need to recognize that the spirit is going to be the one that, that inspires that in our lives. Um, have you seen the, uh, the, the Toy Story movies? Yes, Toy Story Toy Story 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, I hate to admit how long ago one was, and yet uh, seen it many times, right? Um, I mean, good stuff. I, uh, I, I may or may not have gotten a little misty-eyed in Toy Story 3 when they're about to be incinerated, right? And these toys, the music, and they reach across and they grab hands and they're about to... I mean, they're, they're cartoons, they're made up, they don't even exist, right? And yet, here I am uh, crying in the movie theater. It's, it's just, it doesn't make... But, but anyway, so, so Woody... Woody in Toy Story is the cowboy, and uh, as it, obviously he comes to life and doing all those kinds of things. But as a toy, you can buy Woody off the shelf, and he's got one of those little string things, right? And you pull the string, and Woody can say certain things. There's several. Anybody remember some of the things that Woody would say if you pull the string? There's a snake in my boot. There, somebody poisoned the water hole. Somebody else? There's more. No? No? Yes? You're my favorite deputy. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that I'm your favorite deputy. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, you remember this one? Reach for the sky, right? Yeah. Um, 
this town ain't big enough for the two of us, I think was one that, that he said at some point. But I think you hit the, uh, hit the highlights. As a toy, Woody would only say those few things. He'd pull his string, and they were pre-recorded, and those are the things that he said. And we could, we, the, the child would have fun playing with Woody as he talked to them. I heard a pastor uh, recently say that many times uh, these days, it's as if Christians have an action figure Jesus with a pull string. There are a few things that we like that Jesus said. And so we want to hear those things over and over again. And so it is truth. These things are true. It's just not the whole truth. There may be tougher things, other truths that we don't want to apply in our lives. So we just come back to our favorites. And we let him say those things. And I think we do the same thing with the Bible. We go to our favorite passage or our favorite uh, book or our favorite verse and, and we quote those things and, and, it, it, uh, and there's nothing wrong with having a favorite passage or a favorite verse or a favorite book. But we have to be open to the revelation of the Spirit to guide us. It, it says there in, in John 16 that the Spirit guides us into all the truth, not just my favorite truth, Right? So listening to the Holy Spirit as you read scripture will guard against reading in our own biases and perceptions. When the Spirit moves, scripture comes alive. Part of being empowered by the Spirit is that he uses this book, this compilation of books that he has inspired over time. And he uses those very words to uh, have them come alive in our hearts. The spirit, the, the scripture comes alive. He helps us develop a holy appetite for the word of God. He inspires our reading and our study. And he teaches us from the inside out and reveals his truth to our hearts. As we hear all that, we could say, okay, that's great, pastor, thank you. I'm gonna go enjoy the rest of my day. That's great, good. Uh, well, you've got some homework. And I, there's some action items that I want to uh, want to bring your way to. Hopefully, there's homework every week as you uh, as you as we dive into God's Word together and you wrestle with some things and do. Well, there's there's several things that I'd like to challenge you to do today as action items. Uh, the first one is this: develop a habit of regular time in the Bible. That could be your personal devotional time. I, just, I don't know how you can, can, can walk with God effectively and, and growing if you're not spending time with him uh, in prayer and in scripture personally. But that also includes times to, uh, to, to grow together as we meet in groups. And I've talked to you today about several different opportunities that we have around here all the time to join into those things. And so we open the Bible uh, in those times. We, we do that through sermons and you gather here each week and, and we open the Bible together. We need to develop habits of regular time in the Bible. If those aren't regular habits for you, why not? No, uh, then, then start. We, it's got to be uh, something that, uh, that you allow the Spirit to develop in your life. Uh, the next action item that I have for us today is that you need to pray for the Spirit's infer- inspiration. Uh, as you open up God's Word, it's not just, I'm going to get through my reading plan for the day and check it off. It could be that you're three verses in and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings something to your heart and, uh, and you need to spend the rest of your time on that verse. Even if you've got 17 other chapters you're supposed to read this day in your, in your thing and you're going to be way behind if you don't get that read. And It's not so important that you get through. I think John Ortberg said this. It's not so important that you get through the Bible but that the Bible gets through you. 
that, that, that you allow it to uh, change you. And, uh, and, and so pray for the spirits as you open that book that's already been inspired by him. Pray for his, his uh, uh, inspired teaching to teach you in that time. I, I, the, the next thing is that, that, that you would pray, uh, Ephesians 1.18, Paul uh, says, prays that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. So, so we need to pray for the Spirit's revelation, that he would reveal things to us, that, that no matter what it might be, maybe it's painful, maybe it's not, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, something that we don't necessarily want to deal with, or it's something that, that we've been kind of wrestling with for a while. We, we need to submit to the Holy Spirit's revelation for our life. And the last thing is maybe the most important, I just, man... I need to do this all the time. Pray for the craving. It's not just, it's not just that I want to uh, open the Bible because I think I have to or because it was part of the pastor's action items up there, but we want to pray for that. Maybe if, if you're only going to do one of these things, it would be that fourth one. Pray for the craving. Maybe you feel like reading the Bible is, is dull and dry, but pray for the Spirit's anointing and inspiration. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. The Bible is his book. He inspired the writing. He's been inspiring the reading for a couple of thousand years. And you'll know that he's moving in your life as scripture comes alive. Father God, I pray that you would uh, continue to plant that craving within us, that your spirit would move and work and that you would teach us and that, that that sword would penetrate right to the heart of the issue, no matter what it is, so that we can continue to grow and mature in our relationship with you, that, that your spirit would empower the reading of your word to bring your truth to our hearts and to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.